Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherd. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining us on Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. And today, Bill isn't with us because I wanted to have a soul talk with my new friend, Georgia Schaefer. Georgia is an author, a speaker, a psychologist in Pennsylvania. She's a coach. And Bill and I, Georgia, we got to come to a workshop that you did at the AACC conference for counselors and pastors and leaders in Florida this fall. And we so enjoyed just hearing your story and you're talking to us with hope about post-traumatic growth. And as I listened to you in that workshop, and then we got to come up and just interact with you a little bit, I had heard of you for years because of your friendship with my mother, but I was so excited to be with you in person and have my own experience with you and was excited to be able to now have this soul talk today and share you with our soul shepherding community. So thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for the opportunity. Oh, it really is a joy and a privilege. And even as we were just talking a little bit before we started recording, just so thankful for that bond that we can have in Christ as soul friends, even if it's a new relationship where we don't have a lot of time together, just knowing that we resonate, that God is working through his spirit in our lives in some ways that are really congruent and parallel. And it's just a joy when you get to journey with, with others in following Jesus. So I'm grateful to do that today. And I know our listeners are going to be blessed hearing from you. I would love it if you would share a little bit of your story of the trauma part, and then we'll get to the post-traumatic growth part. And I think that's so important because we hear a lot in today's Asian stage and culture about post-traumatic stress. And so mm-hmm. when, we're, when we're going into and we are experiencing trauma, we get a little nervous, like, oh no, what's this post-traumatic stress I'm going to have to deal with? But we don't hear about the post-traumatic growth. And that's what Jesus enables us to do. That's what our, our transformation in Christ-likeness, our formation in Christ, our, uh, it's God's redemptive work. And one of the things that Bill and I teach in the books and the podcast and our blog and our institute at Soul Shepherding is not to waste our trials, that actually our trials are a part of our discipleship to Jesus. They're part of our formation. And that if we lean into God in those trials, he uses them for good. And your story so illustrates that. So I don't want to keep talking. I want our listeners to hear from you. Well, my trauma, so to speak, started back when I was over 30 years ago. Um, I was in my 30s and I was diagnosed with cancer. And then it came back six months later and it was extremely Mm -hmm. aggressive. And so the doctors told me I had a 2% chance to be alive in 10 years. My son was only eight going on nine, which meant I had a 2% chance to see him graduate. Mm. So I was told my only hope for long-term survival was chemotherapy, the aggressive kind, radiation, and a bone marrow transplant. And that was, yeah, that was the the tough thing. So I had all those treatments. And when they uh, were over, as my son told me years later, he said, Mom, you were a ghost in a shell. Mm. I went from this get it done type of woman to somebody who took all their energy just sitting up in a chair. 
um, drastic change. And then during that same period of time, I lost my job. They held it for two years, but I was still extremely weak. Mm. So I could no longer return to that. And I went through a divorce. Oh. So I had three major losses, which yes. is unusual. A lot no, of it's times not. people have multiple losses at the same time. Yes, sadly. But it's so, so overwhelming and it doesn't make sense to us. No, no. And during that time, I just felt so helpless. But when you are at that place of brokenness, you get to see what God can do because, you know, you had nothing to do with it. But I think the, the one feeling I remember over and over during that time, as I looked towards the future, not knowing if I would live or die, is I couldn't see how my life would ever get better. I just couldn't imagine it. I was so weak. Uh, Everything was a struggle. And so how could my life get better? I couldn't imagine it. No. How could you begin to have a vision of anything good coming from this when it was such a devastating, devastation after devastation really there and such a a painful journey ahead there that you were looking at to, to have any ability to be able to stay present for your son. Oh yeah. That he was a key reason where I kept on keeping on. Well, I'm sure thankful for that. You are a survivor and it's really heroic. What, who you are today, what God has done is such a beautiful story of redemption. So tell us a little bit more. What, what helped you? Where did you find the strength and the hope and the power to walk through this valley of the shadow of death? Well, I experienced Jesus in a real way during the bone marrow transplant when I was Mm -hmm. at death's door. I just had that image we often hear about, footprints in the sand where he was carrying me. And I remember in that image just saying, put me down. There's people far more important than me. Hmm. But he seemed to be saying, Georgia, you're important too. Yes. And so that experience, you know, he was no longer, I went to church as a little girl, but we weren't talk about, talk, taught about our relationship with God. Mm. But we were not taught about our relationship with God. And so it was a year later than somebody asked me, as I was telling the story I just told you, they said, well, tell us about your daily relationship with the Lord. And that's when I realized I didn't have one. Mm. You know, somebody I called on and prayed to when things were rough. Mm-hmm. And that's what really started the journey of just that partnership, uh, helping me keep on keeping on. Um, it was a difference of night and day. Not that I still wasn't confused and disoriented. And some days would have been easier to die than to live. Well, you t- discovered an invitation to intimacy with God in the midst of this suffering, this crisis. Yeah. yeah. And you responded. Yeah. It was all the difference. It was a piece. I don't think I've ever experienced since then. It was palpable. So I love that because even in the midst of the suffering, there was, there was a grace for you in your story and in your life that mm-hmm. you could see somehow that how God was willing good for you because he knew that this is what it was going to take you to be able to really get serious about your relationship with him and get to know him intimately. Yeah. 
so thankful that you shared that and so thankful for that experience. And then I imagine that you held on to that experience, revisited that experience in your mind, remembered that over and over. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was critical. And it wasn't the end of the cancer. Uh, The breast cancer never returned. But then seven years ago, I was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And with that, the disorientation was really, I think, more present than anything. I knew God, uh, you know, I wasn't giving up, but it was a dark night of the soul in many uh, ways. You know, I just couldn't understand what he was doing. And then I had three years of chemo. And then I was hoping that was done. But then last year I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer Mm. and had more chemo, which I'm now finished. (laughs) I pray I don't have to deal with again. Yes. Wow. That's so difficult. Such a, a, a painful journey. And yet you don't wear that. You wear the presence of peace of Jesus, the joy and the hope of the Lord. And so you are a wounded healer. You are a living testimony here in your life. And thank you for that, because there are so many of us that are so, so desperate for that hope that so need to know that these kinds of traumas and trials and difficulties and sufferings don't leave us with post-traumatic stress disorder. They don't have to, that actually we can revisit things like this experience that God gave you in the bone marrow transfer, instead of just revisiting the trauma of all the treatment and the Mm -hmm. experience. And will you share a little bit more with our listeners, what has helped you to, to lean into your trial, to grow through your trial? What are some other ways that you, that God has met you in your journey and, and that you have seen him work beauty out of the devastation and even in it. Yeah. My friends were really important. And when I had all these losses, lost my health job and marriage, we had a devastating drought. I live in South central Pennsylvania and my lawn green lawn looked like shredded wheat. It was all dry. just looked terrible. And I thought, okay, I'll wait a year. The spring, rains will come and my lawn, which it did in the past, you know, will shoot back up. But spring came, the rains came, and I still had shredded wheat for a lawn. Mm. And I can tell you, I was really angry with God. Yeah, (laughs) It was like, oh, you know, you always hear the same when it rains, it pours, but it was like, you're kidding. And I got estimates to reseed and it was thousands of dollars. And at that point, I was a single mom not working. So that was out of the question. And I just sat on my back steps and looked at that lawn and kept praying. And I just felt God was saying at one point, put in a garden and pond. And I thought, that's not God. That is so frivolous at a time when money's tight. But I just, it was that gentle nudge, put in a garden and pond. So one day I said to one of my friends, you know, the lawn doesn't want to grow. I should get uh, somebody to cultivate it, rototill it, and plant a garden. And she said, oh, I'll help. We'll get a bunch of friends. We'll get plants. So one unemployed neighbor dug the hole for the pond. We had the rocks in the hedgerow behind my house. Uh, A lot of the plants in my garden are just ordinary iris, peonies, Nothing exquisite or out of the 
you know, real special. But what happened is as I watched that garden grow, and each year, you know, becomes more established, more beautiful. It was like God saying, here's what I can do with the devastation in your life. I can make something beautiful out of it. And so the name of my garden is Morning Glory Gardens, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, to to signify how with God we can go from those feelings of hopelessness and despair to those of hope and joy. So the garden, when I, even to this day, when I get down, that's where I really connect with God in his creation and especially in my garden, Uh, just watching the things grow and he continues to teach. It's that song, he walks with me and talks with me. That's really important to me. Well, I love that. And I know so often we need beauty in our life to be able to help us connect with God. Our mentor, Dallas Willard said, beauty is God's glory made manifest. And that's part of what you were seeing happening there. And you were even working with God in that to transform this ugly dead, you know, lawn into this beautiful alive garden. And, and then you wrote about this. I mean, the name of one of your books, you've got many books is a gift of morning glories, restoring your life after loss. And it, it shared, you shared this story and some of the steps that you went through that the Lord led you to in that restoration work. And one of the things that you did was you let yourself do that work of mourning. Mm-hmm. And you have been so generous to share with our listeners a free PDF that you've put together of kind of the distinction, the difference between grieving and self-pity. Because sometimes people will avoid doing the grief work because they're afraid they're just going to be in self-pity, or maybe they've been treated with contempt when they've been doing some morning work by somebody who has seen it as self-pity and hasn't understood a healthy morning, a healthy lament. And mm-hmm. so I appreciate you offering that to our listeners. That'll be in the show notes, but can you talk a little bit more about some of the soul care practices? Cause that's something that we really highly value here in the soul shepherding community is soul care practices that actually can be a part of leading towards a post-traumatic growth in our life. And you mentioned that many people try to avoid that grieving. And I totally understand why, because these are intense emotions during the time of grief. Mm -hmm. I thought the sadness was going to kill me. Yeah. Uh, It was so deep and crippling feeling. And I thought the anger Mm-hmm. <laughs> my anger was going to hurt somebody else. So yeah. what do you do during that time? Well, right. again, I journaled a lot. Well, some days my journal was a trash can where I just got yeah. rid of all those feelings or I wrote my prayers to God and what I felt he was communicating to me. So journaling so was a key thing in my life. The other thing uh, that was very helpful, I have a spiritual friend and we meet every two weeks. We pray for one another. We help each other pay attention to God's hand in our life. And that was extremely important. And as I already said, just going out in God's creation took me out of my pain and all that I was dealing with, with like you said, his beauty uh, in so many ways. That was key. Uh, for me. Yeah. So important. Thank you for noting the importance of how we need these, these different practices to help us. They're, they're handrails in a sense for us as we're going through and we can, we can barely take that next step 
because mm-hmm. we're just trying to cope because we're so overwhelmed and in our, and our emotions can be so overwhelming. Like you said, the anger and many people feel like in suffering, like they shouldn't be angry. They feel shame for having these emotions. Can you talk a little bit to that? Some of our listeners may be feeling that even now. Oh yeah, you're right. People have a lot of guilt or shame and they don't know how to express their anger in constructive ways. Mm -hmm. We think of anger as physical or verbal abuse, but uh, you know, sometimes we can withhold and just be, give somebody the silent treatment, which is not a healthy way. So what do you do with that anger that can be constructive? And then there's a lot of different ways. Gardening, as I got stronger, it was like I'd go out there and dig the dirt and yell at the weeds. Um, that was a way. Some people yes. like to clean their house or go work out or go f- for a bike ride. And you know what was really important is we can easily during this period of time get stuck in the muck. Yeah. And so I had to purposely uh, do things. Some days I didn't feel like it, but I had to purposely do something that would give me a sense of hope. You know, it wasn't a a wonderful joy feeling, you know, I could, I would come back into the pain, but just getting that reprieve, something to renew my spirit, to bring me a sense of hope was critical. Which is part of why we call the discipline spiritual disciplines, because we do have to sometimes discipline ourselves to engage, to do yeah. as once again, as our mentor Dallas Willard says, to do what we can do in order to enable us to do what we can't do by direct effort. And that's where we, we do what we can do. And God meets us there in that. Yeah. And that's, that's your story. Yeah. And of course, reading scripture, you know, there would be key verses I would write in my journal. So I'd especially uh, remember and won't forget what he was telling me. That was critical. Yes. And you must've related to Job with so much suffering with the multiple, with the triple blows there all at once. Absolutely. I would imagine that you found a camaraderie there in, in Job's experience. Yeah, and absolutely. And, you know, people don't always want to recognize suffering is real, mm-hmm. like Job suffered. And so often in our culture, we think, well, I got, I'll go to a doctor or I'll try this. And my suffering will end. But in the midst of that pain, there isn't always a painkiller. And so it was recognizing suffering is real, recognizing that even in the midst of that, I still had things to be grateful for. And to just keep walking and leaning on God, because I can tell you, nobody's more aware than me of how he got me through that difficult time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the aloneness and having to deal with the abandonment of your divorce. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's big, tough. especially in a time when you were in great need. And so it sounds like part of your story, though, was reaching out to others and not trying to do it alone. And it must have been somewhat humbling for you to have to learn to receive and depend upon others. Yes. And I had a lot of wonderful friends, friends who didn't feel the need to fix me and say, you know what you need to do, Georgia, friends who came alongside of me, they believed in my ability to grow, even when I didn't think I'd make it out the other side. And they were so encouraging. Uh, And, you know, whether they brought flowers, brought a meal, talked to me on the phone, 
you know, just laugh together. That was critical to help me move through the difficult times. Having safe people, people Mm -hmm. that could be with you that wouldn't shrink away because of the suffering and the pain, people that could help you put your hope in God, people that could minister his presence to you. Pray with me. Yes. So good. So important. And I think it's really, I really want our listeners to hear this because oftentimes when we are in a dark valley, when we are at the wall, as Bill and I wrote about in our book, Journey of the Soul, or in a dark night, like you mentioned, Georgia, we we feel fear. We feel fear that it's never going to get better, that we can't get through this, or that it's going to scar us in a way that's going to be devastating. And so I, I love your story because it shows what, what research now shows us is about 60% of people that experience trauma afterwards come through with post-traumatic growth. And I think that's such an important thing. Now that statistic might be low. It's, it's an older statistic, but I think part of what your message is here is that we can play a part in whether we come out of trauma with post-traumatic stress or growth. And that we probably will have stress too, but even how we deal with that and what we do with that can be turned into growth. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, that whole experience of suffering is really an opportunity to grow in disguise. Uh, it just provides all of the conditions that you need to grow. And one of the things I had to learn um, for that resilience to bounce back, that post-traumatic growth was, there were so many things I could not do. And I wanted to be strong. I didn't want to be weak. I wanted to be tough. And I had to learn to live with my limitations. And that wasn't easy. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton talks about, we try to sidestep our limitations, but yet in the middle of that, when we accept them, we are probably exactly, she didn't say probably, we're where God wants us to be. So I had to learn to accept my limitations, embrace where I was, and you know, just savor the moment. And one of the things early on, as I was going through this, I realized we aren't teaching people how to rebuild. Yes, mm-hmm. you grieve but you still haven't rebuilt your life. So what does that look like? So I became real passionate about that. And it was that sense of meaning and purpose and paying attention to what God was doing in my life and what that journey looked like. Um, That gave me real strength uh, to go out and help others. And we can't discount that because in the midst of uncertainty, it was that knowing and doing using the experiences, the gifts, the talents God's given me to help others. That is so life-giving and energizing. And that can help build that momentum to begin again. Well, you've done that beautifully. I think your story, and of course, often cancer becomes a microphone. (laughs) People will listen to you because they know, you know, suffering and they know, you know, fear. They know, you know, the emotions that they maybe secretly are feeling. And you have leaned into that and you have stewarded and used that well as an author, as a speaker, as a coach, as a psychologist. So thank you for that. And thank you for doing that today for us on, on Soul Talks. So appreciate it. And as we wrap up our time together here on Soul Talks, would you Would you pray, say a prayer for our listeners 
who are, have been listening to this and are maybe getting in touch with some of the emotions they're having, some of the difficulties they're experiencing, maybe an invitation to do some post-traumatic work, healing work with the Lord. Oh, yes. I pray for those listening, Father, that there's some out there that those emotions, they're so frightening and they just want to numb them in a million different ways, whether it be busyness or eating eating for comfort, watching Netflix. But Father, give them the courage to face that pain because that pain is the very thing that will help them grow and become stronger. And not only when they face that pain, They'll, they'll experience a whole new dimension of joy that they never experienced before. And fear, fear is really a part of the journey. And we can't wait for the fear to go away. And I found when I was around courageous people, that was contagious. And so may the listeners find somebody who can speak into their lives, who believes in their ability to not only go through this a difficult experience, but to grow through it. And Father, we just pray that they too, you would plant in their hearts how you can use this situation to serve others. So whether they share their story, their hope in Christ, or their life experiences, may they reach out one day and use this experience for the good of others. And I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I really appreciated having this experience oh, and the opportunity good. to share. Good. Well, it's just a real joy for me to get to have this conversation with you, Georgia, and get to share it with our, our community. And I'm so thankful for you, for your life. You are an inspiration. You are a wounded healer. You are, you have responded as second Corinthians, the comfort you've received, you're now using to comfort others. And so thank you for that. You are a hero to me because of the way that you have persevered, which is, I think, so huge in spiritual warfare. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. The battle is real. Yeah. But we don't have to fight it alone. Amen. Hey friends, Christian Eric excited to let you know that we now have coaches in our Soul Shepherding ministry. If you go to our website, you can right now you could schedule an appointment to meet with a Soul Shepherding coach. Our coaches specialize in helping you in your leadership and in your influence. They specialize in your best life in Jesus' easy yoke. How do we actually live and work in Jesus' easy yoke? And they have many different tools to help you uh, in your effectiveness, in your relationships, and in your life in your emotional and relational health. And so check us out on soulsharpening.org, coaching, and uh, schedule a a meeting with a coach who will listen to you with empathy, pray for you, and guide you in practical ways where you can make real and substantial changes in your life, in your work, in your relationships, in your ministry. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org.